Hey, I'm Jason Wood here, the host of the Armed and Ready podcast, the VA Loan Guy, bringing you another exciting episode. Today, we have Navy veteran Corey Ramsey on here to talk to us about his time in service, what he's up to now, and he even has a podcast too. Come check it out. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have Navy veteran Corey Ramsey with us. We're super excited to learn about his story and his experience in the Navy. So, Corey, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, tell us a little bit. I mean, you joined the Navy. Yes, I did. And, um, you know, that's that in and of itself is a big decision, right? Yes. Um, what prompted you to, to get into the military? You know, it's kind of a funny story. So, I always wanted to work for a federal agency. And so I, at one point I had applied to maybe like 20 different agencies and then I was applying for NCIS and on the sixth time or seventh time that I got turned down, the, uh, the person that turned me down, he said, you know, we recruit straight from the Navy. Have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, no. So the next day I went down to the recruiter's office and then boom, I'm joining the Navy. It was really that simple. Really? Yes. Wow. You don't hear that very often. I know like, you know, talk to people trying to get federal jobs. And I remember there was a point in time when I was trying to, too. And there's like that USA jobs website. Yes. I mean, applying directly for federal jobs is a grind. That's that's not an, an easy thing to get. It is not. And it was so hard. And I thought because I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time and I was an investigator. So I thought, okay, you know what? My investigative experience will play out working for NCIS, but they said no, and I just kept getting turned down for every reason that you could think of. Not enough experience, you need more law enforcement experience, more investigative experience, and then finally, I guess they got tired of seeing my name, (laughs) and they said, you know, listen, there is a unit in the military, uh, and it's called 2794, and it's throughout, uh, in certain parts of the country, Kansas being one, California being another, and I think there's two other states. And they said, you know, that is a good way to get in, get your foot in the door. So I went down there uh, to the recruiter's office and I said, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. And they said, well, okay. And then they had me go, uh, they had me join. And I went through uh, first the law enforcement route. And then I got recruited. I got recruited. Uh, into intelligence. And then from there, it was a lot of secret stuff. Once I uh, got through intelligence training, excuse me, then the team started calling uh, Naval Special Warfare, which is the Special Forces branch of the Navy. And they said, you know, we're really interested in your package. And they said, you know, are you interested in us? Okay, I'm pretty wide-eyed you know, kind of sort of fresh out of college. I did have some, uh, you know, experience with uh, the real world. So I said, okay, um, that's fine. And then that just opened the door to training that was just, I couldn't believe what I was going through. I was so far removed from investigative and like federal law enforcement, which is what I wanted to get into. I joined i mean so i went through uh your military people will be familiar with sears school Mm -hmm. uh so i went through that a number of other trainings that i can't necessarily say here and then i'm being deployed and i was deployed a lot uh 
And then finally, uh, so now that brings us to 2000, we're at now 2011, I want to say. And then I came back and they said, hey, um, there is a spot for you in uh, NCIS 2794. Are you interested? I'm like, yeah, finally. <laughs> finally, okay. right? Yeah. So then I go and I uh, sit down with the folks and then um, they interviewed me. And the first thing that they told me was, they said, e um, have you ever watched a TV show? And I said, no. And they said, good. Because whatever's on that TV show is not true. We just want to let that, we just want to put that out there. And I said, yeah, I'm aware of that. Sure, yeah. So anyway, I, so, you know, I got in. And I'll never forget my very first day. So I'm in a tiny little cubicle, right? It's even, maybe it's like this here. I don't even know your audience can see me. So it's barely enough room for me to move around. And then... Um, special agent, uh, special agent is one of my best friends and the, uh, um, best man at my wedding. He comes, uh, he comes over and drops all of these stacks of papers and things that he, for me, files for me to go through. And he said, Hey, this is your first day. Welcome to the fight. And I swear it was piled up to the ceiling. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I would love to be able to take a picture of this and show it to my wife. Like, here I am. I did it. So, uh, but you know, I was glad to have done it. It was a, um, it was a real enjoyable experience. All of my military experiences, it was, I'll say it was a hell of a journey. So you, you were in law enforcement before you went to the military then? Right? Yeah, I was an investigator. Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. in Portland? Yes, I was. So you, were you working like Portland PD, um, or? I would assist them okay. from time to time. Yes. Okay. And then, uh, with this, with the state, I gotcha. was also working with them. How long were you doing that before you got into the military? About two years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then prior to that, I was a school teacher and I was a director of a um, uh, group home. Gotcha. So it wasn't like the typical 18, just graduated high school, boom, I'm in the military. No, um, I graduated high school and I went straight into college. That was my, uh, that was the route. Nice. Straight in. Nice. And how long did you serve in the Navy then? Uh, a grand total of 18 years. Okay. Now, I would have, people say to me, well, how come you didn't do uh, 20 years? I have to tell you, if you saw my medical record, you would understand why. Because uh, <laughs> I was up to go, I was up to um, resign, but I needed to resign for another four years. And I just, I looked at things, I couldn't do it. I had a lot of deployments, a lot of injuries from the different places that I've been. Talked it over with my wife, and she said, "Look, okay, money is good, and re you know, and a big retirement is good." But she said, "You know, what about quality of life?" And I said, "Yeah, you know, you're right." Yeah. So then I just, that. I just put a stop to it. But uh, 18 years was a great journey. That's really cool. No regrets. Um, so you got deployed a lot. Any any deployments you can you can share with us that? Um particularly memorable one that was memorable to this day i still uh have trouble breathing out of my left nostril because the uh i had surgery on it twice because i had it broken i had it broken uh in the horn of africa we were doing anti-piracy um things in africa and so i boarded a ship and so we're looking for contraband all sorts of uh things including you know individuals so and I opened up a compartment that was so tiny, you never thought that there was a body in there. I opened it up, 
and a guy comes out, catches me flush right in the nose. Ooh. Boom. I didn't even realize that it was broken, even after we had zip-tied him and everything, and I'm just talking to guys, and we're, you know, doing a wrap-up, and we're doing, uh, you know, after-action uh, after briefs on the ship, and we're just talking. And then finally, someone said, hey, Ramsey, you're really messed up. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I looked at a reflective surface, and I said, oh, that's why I'm hurting. Like, my nose was, like, <laughs> over here, and I didn't even realize. So, I mean, uh, the doc just, you know, put something in. He kind of moved it around and put something in. But it wasn't uh, for another seven months that I was uh, back in the States where, you know, I went to Balboa Hospital, and then the first time they did it, eh, it wasn't so good. I was still having problems breathing. And then the second time, still wasn't right. And then I, I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm really okay. We'll just leave it. <laughs> yeah that's funny the, the sucker punch right to the face uh, I, who knew that there could be somebody in such a small compartment like you just you was never a small thought. person <laughs> yeah it was obviously a very uh very small person uh so yeah he got me pretty good that's cool um so i mean a lot of people join the navy because they they want to see the world mm -hmm. um what were some of your favorite places that you got to just see uh dubai Ooh, cool. And Bahrain. See, uh, this is going to sound strange to a lot of Navy people. I was never on a ship. I was what was considered Brown Navy. So uh, being attached to SEAL teams, generally you're what's called Brown Navy. So you're on the ground all the time and you're doing different things, whatever they are. But I was never actually on a ship. So I wasn't one of those guys that got to see Italy uh, Germany and like so many people that I knew that were seeing it. No, mine was constantly in the sandbox, oh, sandbox, Africa, sandbox, Africa. That's where I was going. That's crazy. So were you in, um, when nine 11 happened or had you gotten out by then? Oh no, I was actually, um, I actually, I just got in right after nine 11. Oh, you, yeah. so you reenlisted, came back. No, no. I joined, I joined after, Oh, gotcha. after nine 11. Okay. And see, I was, when 9-11 happened, that's when I really turned up uh, the heat as far as applying for federal law enforcement. Because I said, you know what, I want to do more to help my country. I want to do more to serve. I want to really add something. So I was applying all over the place. I mean, railroad police, Amtrak, you name it. I was all over the place. Even the Postal Service, their federal law enforcement, I applied there. And, you know, you get put on waiting list. Um. I even applied uh, over in Las Vegas for uh, uh, Metro out there. I mean, I was doing, applying everywhere that you could possibly imagine until finally, you know, the when the recruiter said, hey, listen, this is a good route for you to get into. And the rest was history. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Um, what would you suggest to uh, someone kind of young in their their military career kind of as some advice from where you wanted to be mm -hmm. with your job and kind of how that path got started for you. Cause it wasn't automatically like, Oh, you want to do this job? Here you go. Right. Right. There's a lot. So I think when you sit down, my advice to young people or even people who are a little bit older, like me coming out of college, that what you want to do is you want to chart your career. So I think that's number one. You decide where you want to go. And you, when you sit down with the recruiter, have a plan on where you want to go. That's number one. Number two, if you have a spouse, a significant other, 
you make sure you talk it out with them because it's not just you, it's also them because you're leaving them behind. So you want to make sure that you have that right because I've seen so many soldiers, airmen, um, shipmates that they're struggling when they're overseas because things aren't right at home. And, you know, they get those Dear John letters you know, they're going into debt. I mean, all of that stuff is not right. And see, I made sure that my home life was right. I made sure that I talked it out um, with my significant other. And then it was, okay, you know what? We're going, we're going to do this. Because, I mean, I mean, at one point, I was, I was gone for a year. Wow. Yeah, I was overseas for an entire year, and I lived over there. So not on base, but actually living there, doing things. So it's like... You have to think about that. So you're being away from everything that you love, the person that you love, the people that you love, what you know. So you have to, uh, you know, prepare yourself for that. And I would tell young, uh, uh, young people, at times it's going to be hard. You know, the training is going to be hard. I have to tell you that some of the training that I went through, it was very difficult. I probably trained more than I was like just day-to-day stuff in the military, like day-to-day operations. I was probably more in training. I was more in training in my military career than I was actually just having like day-to-day operations, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, these are things that uh, you should prepare yourself for, you know, and be mindful of that. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good advice. I mean, I think, you know, the general public probably doesn't think about this, you know, as they're thinking about the military and stuff, but, you know, you've got, you got the family back home with, you know, wife and kids and, mm-hmm. you know, there's the home, there's the finances, there's school, there's kids, friends and sports. And, yes. you know, there's, there's a lot left to, to one parent to deal with. And it's, it's not an easy thing to, I mean, it's not easy with two parents present right. all the time. Right. And then you, you set that all on one person's shoulders and, and that's a lot. Yes, and you have to be honest on why you want to do it. And so, certainly when I was living in Portland, uh, you know, I I went around to a few schools and I would talk to uh, people about, you know, careers and even talk to them about, you know, military, talk to them about law enforcement. And then when I would have one-on-one conversations with young people, I would ask them, why do you want to get into it? And, you know... Of course, the first thing is, wow, you know, I want to have guns. You know, it's really cool and that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, you know what? One, it's not really like that. And two, you know, you have to really think about the possibility of taking a life and how important that is and how that can impact you in ways that you can't even possibly imagine. And I'll tell you, I've talked some people out of joining the military because their thought was, well, you know, it's going to be like Rambo or it's going to be like whatever else they see on television. And I said, you know, it's really not that way. And I talked to them about fear and living with fear. And fear was something, and you don't hear many people say this, but fear is something that I had to learn to be comfortable with because I was scared nearly every day. And I would wake up scared and I would go to bed. When I did sleep, I would go to bed scared. And after a while, you learn to manage it, and you incorporate it, and it becomes part of your life. And so when I would talk to young people about that, they're like, whoa, I've never heard that before. And I'm like, yeah, because that's the down and dirty stuff that people aren't really going to tell you. Or people that have really been in the know, they know, 
fear. When I talk to other guys that have been deployed, they talk about fear. They know, you know, right. it's like, we're not Superman here. You know, we're it's just, not a video we're, game either. Yeah, we're real people. Yeah. It's not a video game. You just shoot them up and you walk away <laughs> and you're fine. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So, um, you do a little podcast, uh, work here and there. Uh, tell us a little bit about the podcast experience you have. Yes. Well, I've done it for a year and a half now, and it's called uh, JV to the Pros, and I do it with a local actor by the name of Jack Vecchio. And uh, you can Google him and you can see him. He's one of those character actors where you might look at his face and say, oh, yeah, I've seen him and whatever. Uh, So what we do is we have about five different topics that we uh, talk about. They're kind of uh, they're kind of random, so it'll be entertainment, sports, and we'll just have a take, and we'll just two guys sitting around talking, and uh, my wife is a part of it uh, at times. His wife is a part of it at times. We have a technical genius um, by the name of Paco Silva, and so uh, he's invaluable to what we do on the podcast, and we have a lot of fun. I, I think the idea is when we do the podcast is really just entertain, And it's just something that I look forward to on Tuesdays. It's just a nice thing that I've added to my week where it just, it's so relaxing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a lot of fun and you got to have, you got to have your own Paco. Yeah. Um, I think I'm fortunate to have one of those Pacos myself. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. You got to have someone that knows how to put it all together for right. you. Um, how did right. you guys get started with it? What was, how did it come to be? You know, I was going to do one. Well, I've known Jack for a few years. And so I never thought of it with him. I was actually uh, talking about doing it with another local author because I I also write. And he and I were talking about it. And do you ever have one of those guys where, or just person that they talk about doing something, but it never materializes? Yeah. And that's how it was with him. And we were having meeting after meeting after meeting about a meeting to have a podcast and then the next meeting, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. And then there were different things that he was assigned to do and he just wouldn't do it. And then finally, I was just like, and maybe it's just a military guy in me. And it's just like, all right, you know what? Never mind. And then I didn't know that Jack uh, Vecchio had thought about doing one. And then finally he called me. He said, hey, listen, are you interested? I'm just thinking about just throwing one together and just having fun. And I said, well, you know, coincidentally, I was thinking about doing it. So he was like, all right, let's just do it. And so we just came together and we just started doing it. That's cool. And you guys do it every week? Yeah, every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. That's really cool. That's really cool. So um, what's what's the hottest topic you guys have been, you've been talking about lately? Ooh, let's see. I mean, um, we certainly have talked about the presidential elections that was a, a big thing at one point it was a hot topic george floyd was a really hot topic um jack vecchio is a new york jets fan so you can imagine oh, yeah. you know a i'm a new england patriots there. fan so he absolutely uh hates the patriots so we try to hit on like different things that we think that are relevant you know serious stuff and then we just will bounce to things that aren't so serious. Like we have a segment that's called the truth is alien. And what we do is we'll talk about like all these weird things that can't be explained, you know, like, uh, 
the pyramids or, uh, you know, Bigfoot and just things. And we just have fun with it. And we just throw these facts out there and say, hey, listen, listeners, you have to decide for yourself. We're just throwing these facts out. Is it real or is it not real? But I would say one of the best discussions that we ever had on the show was when we were talking about uh, the Bible. Oh, nice. And, you know, how, how relevant is the Bible to this day? And how much of the Bible can we take literally? And it ended up morphing, uh, I want to say, to about a 45-minute discussion. When usually the truth is alien is about 10, 15 minutes, but it was 45 minutes. And we just really got into it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about that at home. My wife and I do quite a bit about, um, you know, the relevancy today and, you know, different things that you can, you can read in there. And, you know, is it, is it predicting things that are happening today or not, you know? Yes. And, um, it really is interesting. And then you, you come you stumble across a, a video online or something and really makes you think. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to dig into there. Yes. There's uh, a lot. I'm someone who was raised a Catholic and went to a Catholic school. So I grew up with a boatload of questions. I would hear things and it didn't make any sense to me in school. And I would go back and ask my parents, my parents would say, Oh, you know, this or that. They would give me an example. They would give me an answer. And then finally, my father said, son, listen, you're in Catholic school because it's one of the best schools uh, in South Jersey. That's why we're sending you there. Go there for the education. You will figure out these questions on your own. That's why you're there. Get the education. So that was their thing, to send us all to Catholic school, because that's where they felt the better teachers were, the, you know, the better schools, the better schools were. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And I think there's, there's a lot interesting at play um, when you're trying to compare, you know, the Bible. To, to what's happening today um, yes. and, and not to change this into a, a religious conversation, but sure. um, there's a lot of interesting paradigms. I think that we're, we're seeing today. I, I saw um, an interesting post the other day and I forget which uh, Bible verse it was, but basically it was, it was talking about um, about Satan and how he's just kind of flaunting it, you mm-hmm. know, right now. And I think that there's um, a lot, if we look at our world right now where you could definitely in, in, understand that and yes. see it if you're a believer, you know, mm-hmm. um, and see where, I mean, from everything from TV commercials to TV shows to the media, yes. I mean, it's, it's, um, celebrities. I mean, it's, it's out there right in your face. There's so much, you know, there's so much out there and, you know, I, I'll tell you how I look at religion. I, I sort of just look at religion is just one of many roads to get to, to get to where you want to go. So like when you drive to Los Angeles, right? Some people take I-5, some people uh, will take the 10, you know, whatever highway that there is to get to LA, to get to Santa Monica. And that's how I look at it. Wherever it is that you want to go in your life, whatever religion makes you feel better, then take that road and get there. That's kind of my attitude. Like I don't get into arguments with people over it. And some people get so sensitive and they're like, well, you were raised a Catholic. How can you feel that way? I'm like, well, because I've traveled a lot. I mean, I traveled a lot. I spent a lot of time. I lived in a Middle Eastern country, you know, became well-versed in, in the Quran, and met people from all over the world and talked to them about religion. And it really comes down to how you treat your fellow man. Treat your fellow man well. That's one thing that's consistent in all religions. 
how you treat your fellow man. All the other stuff, eh, you know, it's about right and wrong. And I don't get bunged up on on the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're fortunate to have the ability to choose, right? In this country. Yes. Right. Yes. So you can <laughs> absolutely you can practice and follow whatever you want. Exactly. And um and that's important to protect too. And I think I think we see I think we see that under attack at times, you know, and that, that ability to choose with, you know, what we're being forced to hear or forced to listen to or the children are in schools and things of that nature. And I think a lot of that is controlled to a degree and it probably should be freed up a little, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. You have to really, you have to seek out information and I'll, I'll just tell you quickly. One of the things that got me not to trust mainstream information. So I'm an older guy. Right. And I'll never forget uh, remember the days of getting Encyclopedia Britannica? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then we got the new batch. Uh, so this is in the. And that was a big thing. Like you went to someone's house and you saw all the encyclopedias. You're yeah. like, oh man. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we had many different volumes, right? So this was um, probably the 1979 volume of Encyclopedia Britannica. So I'm a kid and I'm really excited. And I, you know, I'm flipping through it. I'm reading, it. and then I come across something. That absolutely bothered me and bothered me to this day. And I looked up uh, uh, John F. Kennedy. And so I'm reading about him, which, of course, I knew and everything. Uh, And then at the very bottom, it said uh, President John F. Kennedy assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald. And I thought to myself, then I thought, what a problem that is. So here you have an encyclopedia that says definitively that Kennedy was killed by Oswald when there was no trial. And Oswald had, and then I I did research on this, had no legal representation. So think about the repercussions of that and what that says. You had a man who was not seen firing the rifle, but in history it says he was the man who killed Kennedy and never went through trial. From that point on, I knew that I could not believe everything that I read, that I needed to do more and more research. It was that, it was at that moment. Yeah. That's That's, that's interesting how that resonated with you for so long. Yeah. And um, it is interesting. You know, one of the things I was, I was kind of hoping for in, in Trump's last day in office, cause there's always these comments online about declassifying certain things. I was like, Thank oh, you. declassify that. Come yes. on. I want, we all want to know like, yes, what, what's being hidden. Yes. And he didn't do it. And that's the, for me, I'm sorry. That's one of the biggest disappointments. And I'm like, because he said he was going to do it. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And I remember there was even a countdown at one point where he was uh, saying like six days until the big reveal. I remember he was saying that on Twitter on Twitter and then it was nothing. Yeah. No, I was really hoping for that too. There's so many conspiracy theories on, on what actually happened, but the truth is, None of us know. And I don't think we ever will know. I mean, there's still things about Lincoln and his assassination, some things around there that I've read that are kind of like, hmm, they're just kind of things that make you go, hmm. Right. You know? So it's kind of like that. But at least with the Lincoln situation, well, my goodness, there were actually people there when the unfortunate accident uh, happened. And then people saw Booth when he jumped... uh, when he jumped down um, from the balcony. So at least people saw that and he had the gun in his hand. That's a little bit more definitive than what happened uh, allegedly with Oswald. Right. 
Yeah. No, it's interesting. There's there's so many. Uh, and wasn't he going to declassify alien stuff or something? I don't know. There was a couple other things on there the list, right? There was other things, too, that he was, going to, he was going to do, but just didn't do it. You know, Probably got threatened. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's really interesting. So, so, uh, so today you're in San Diego. Yes, and, I am. And um, uh, you're doing social work now, right? Yes. So I work for a uh, company which is attached to San Diego County, which is called New Alternatives Incorporated. And uh, I'm the director of the transitional housing program there. Okay. That's, that's cool. So how long have you been doing that kind of work? Uh, almost six years to the day. Oh, right on. Yes. You love it? I do. I do. It was, uh, you know, it was just a chance thing that I got the job. I mean, really chance. Uh, and so I, I'll say this quickly. I took a job in, uh, when I was in the reserves. So I, when I was out of the military and then I got into, uh, the reserves, that's another whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> you ever want to <laughs> talk about the reserves, but anyway, so I was in the Navy reserve and then, um, I applied again and there was a job, uh, working for the inspector general in DC. Oh. And so I applied for it just on a whim with my wife, my wife. And I talked to her about it and she's like, yeah, go ahead and apply. So I applied. Oh my goodness. I got the job. No kidding. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So it was going to be special investigator to, uh, uh, inspector general. And so I took, I took the job and I flew out there and, um, because my wife and child, they were going to come a little bit later. I said, you know, let me go out there and get settled. I have a brother in DC. Well, come to find out that the job, uh, is actually, well, it's not in DC, you know, it's the office in, uh, Springfield, Virginia. I'm like, okay, great. Anybody knows anything about DC getting from Washington, DC to Springfield. If you have to be there at six o'clock in the morning, you're leaving at 4 AM. Oh. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I had the job and I just, I couldn't stand the job. I got there and I'm like, all right, it's not all about money and prestige and that kind of stuff. I, three months after the job, I just, I resigned. Really? And people thought I was crazy. And I called my wife and I said, hey, listen, fly out. We're going to drive across the country. We're going to have an adventure and we're going to talk about what it is that I'm going to do. She's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, look, I'm not going to go back active because I made that promise to you. Um, I won't be active duty again. I, I can always go into teaching. So I have other options. So we flew back. I'm sorry. Uh, then we drove back, um, took like a day and a half, two days. So we get there, get back home and it's about 4am. And I just sat down at the computer. She was exhausted. And I said, you know, give me a little bit of time. I'm just going to go ahead and apply, uh, l look at some jobs. And there was, uh, something on indeed for a director job. And I thought, Hmm. You know, in another life, I was actually a director. Let me just apply. Next thing you know, I get a phone call. It's four hours later. They're saying, hey, listen, are you interested in coming in? This was uh, the uh, executive director. And I was like tired. And I said, yeah, sure. And I got it. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. It was really just that. What simple. a turn of events, right? Yeah, it was quite a turn of events. Right after But that. I wasn't worried. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, Jason, and again, this is for young people. It's not always about money. It's about um, your peace of mind, your quality of life, where you want to live. Because, uh, you know, my wife really didn't want to move. Um, our son, Damien, really didn't want to move. And so I went and took the job because it was great pay and it was prestigious. 
and it was the wrong thing to do. And I'm glad that it just took me three months. And my wife said, you know what? I was just giving you time to get to your senses. And I came to my senses. And she was the happiest person in the world. I bet. And I, and ultimately, I am, I am too. That's really cool. Yeah, the inspe- you always hear about the Inspector General, but I don't think anybody knows a whole lot about the Inspector General and what yeah. that office is and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure... A lot of paperwork and a lot of bureaucracy, I can imagine. Yes, it was. I mean, it was it was a lot of training, too, again. Yeah, so it was like more training. Like, so you get the job, and then you go for tra- training after training after training after training. And, and then when you finally get your office. I mean, I think I was a month in before I was really, like, sitting in my office and actually got, like, my first case. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Man, what an interesting story, Corey. I'm I really, really pleased that you carved out some time for us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Come on the podcast and share this with us, and maybe we'll have to follow up and do something on the reserves. That might be, might be something kind of fun to talk about, actually. Yes, I, I would love to educate people on the reserves, on the, the positives and negatives of the reserves. Okay. Well, let's set that as a future date. Let's do it. It'll be a good Done topic. Done deal. Awesome. Done deal. Corey, thanks so much for being on the show today, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for checking out our episode today. If you have any questions, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.